Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I'm joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. And how's it going with you, Chad? Oh, it's going good. Tonight, I'm I'm on one tonight, so I'm a little happy and uh, just ready to recap uh, the Leeds defeat and <laughs> look ahead to our Arsenal defeat. Yeah, well, we, we were like saying there was nothing to play for like after after we were unceremoniously booted from the FA Cup and then we're like well you know we got the Yorkshire Derby coming up Battle of Yorkshire and so we thought maybe that would be uh, something to play for but apparently we weren't really up to it I mean granted we were one just fucking awful 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 own goal away from taking points in a game that we probably should have taking points. I mean, it was kind of a, we kind of pissed that game a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> you know, we were, it was a little bit of shit housing going on. Didn't really have any chances. I think our only real chance in the game, our sh- only shot on frame was the goal, right? Is that, yeah, that accurate? It, it was. And how about that stat three games in a row with uh, an own goal? I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's relegate that has relegation written all over it. I mean it's, it's embarrassing. Man. It's embarrassing. It's been shambolic. I mean there's there's no other way to to put it. And as well, like it's cost us points. I mean it doesn't really matter much, save for for bragging rights, really. But yeah, this, this season's going to go down as one of the worst by a Premier League side. Obviously, we're not Derby, which is good. That we're, we're safe from that record. I think we're safe from Sunderland, uh, right? Sunderland's record from... Uh, I think we might be a little short. I think they had 17 points. So we might have to get three more points, which is not going to happen. There's two winnable games. I think the game against Burnley is winnable potentially, and the game against Newcastle, the form they've been on, is probably winnable. Yeah, I I mean, that's fair. But I I just don't see it. We, we've said that we would like to be a part of their going down if Fulham can get their act together. That would be yes. that would be fun to to send them down. As as someone who very very casually watches Sunderland games, it would be nice to see their their rivals go down. And then uh, the two teams that one well the one team that I uh, support fervently and the team that I support casually could potentially see their their biggest rivals going down, which would be fun. Yeah, I mean, it would be better if we weren't getting relegated, but, you know, to see Wednesday relegated would be great. But, man, they did smash Cardiff at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, I listened to the game and I was like, they're going to get killed. And I think they had a goal inside of the first five minutes. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And I cut it off when it was 4-0. I was like, this is embarrassing for Cardiff. And... The cool thing was is they were bottom of the table to start that game, and, you know, it really didn't matter that they won that game. And like we talked about prior to this, there's no shot in hell that they're going to make the greatest of great escapes. I mean, there's just no chance for them. So it, there's that to go on. That makes me happy inside, even though we're the worst team in the league and we can't seem to score anything or do anything right. But one thing to to go on to the own goals, 
you know, we we thought our at one point our luck was turning. We have had no luck all season. We've had glimpses of it. But, I mean, to, for any team in the league, and, yeah, one of those own goals was in the cup, but for any team in the league to have three games in a row where they have an own goal go in, I mean, I don't even know if that's even ever happened before. I mean, you talk about no luck. This club has n- absolutely zero luck. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure it's happened before. I'm sure that's not a stat that we can lay claim to. I'm sure someone out there has tapped in four own goals in a row in, in successive games. But to see it happen three three games in a row to Sheffield United is, uh, yeah, just poor. Just I mean, it just kind of is exemplary. It exemplifies the season that we've had. So, well, you know, onwards and upwards. Let's just quickly run through what happened in the Battle of Yorkshire. It took a while for things to get going, as it seems has been the case all season for us. We don't have quick starts, but um, the first real chance was in the seventh minute, and this was actually a Leeds United chance. Um, Bad giveaway and a good save from Ramsdale on Calvin Phillips. And uh, God, Jags and Lundstrom were so bad in this game, weren't they, Chad? I mean, we've said it for a while that Lundstrom probably shouldn't be in the side. His heart's not in it. His mind's on wherever he's going to go next year, be it Crystal Palace or uh, whoever else is is in form. I think weren't Burnley in form as well. Villa too, I think. Both of their play, both Lundstrom and Jags. Jags can't uh, – he's the oldest outfield player in the league. You can't really fault him. I'm, you know, his body's failing him at this point. I doubt he plays another game after this season is over. I think he rides off into the sunset. Maybe he comes down with us, and, you know, if we need a, a center back next year, he might be able to fit in in a pinch. But, um, yeah, Lundstr- Lundstrom's just not in it. I just put in Daye – out there or put somebody I like I said I mean and, and Daye who's played actually more center forward striking position for the under 23s he had another goal I think today in in a comeback against Brentford's under 23 side is that who it was yeah mm-hmm. and so he's had goals in the last like three or four games or he's had three or four goals in the last three or four games I I, I don't remember the stat offhand but He's been a boon for that under 23 side and making a name for himself and making a case that he should come up and play with the big boys either this this season or next year. So we'll, we'll see. I I just can't see a reason that John Lundstrom should be starting in this side anymore. No, and we've said it, I think, the last 18 pods in a row. I mean, he, he doesn't need to be in the side. He'll have yeah. like one good game and then seven bad games. And it's yeah. just like, why is – why is he even there? And yeah, I understand we're thin in the midfield, but we're it's thin just everywhere. Like, yeah, I know we're we're thin in the back. I mean, that's hence why Jax has to come in at 38 years old. A 38 year old player should not be playing in the top league in England. There's no way in hell 38 year old players play in League One, in League Two, not the Premier League. Um, unless so, your name is Lionel Messi. Yeah. Okay. Aside from that, Phil Jagielka, Lionel Messi. I'll let you decide which one is better. <laughs> but he doesn't need to be in our in our team. And you know, it's just patchwork at this point. It, we're just limping to the finish. And I'm 
I can almost guarantee that the players, you know, they come out in their pre-match con- press conference and say, yeah, you know, we're going to fight down. We're not down yet. We're going to fight till the end. They're in the back of their minds. They're like, is this over yet? Please. Is this, is this over yet? I don't want this to go on any longer. Can it just be, it's that meme you see where that guy's just poking that thing with the stick and says, it's already dead. That's how we are right now. Yep. Yep. It's like, come on, United, do something. I think that's yes. right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, as much as I think that is just basically marketing to ensure that people continue to tune into the games um, and continue to buy shirts, which at this point, if you don't have this year's shirt, you're not going to be buying this year's shirt. You can get it at a discounted rate right now. Yeah. Hell, I think they're giving it basically giving them away for free. You're going to have to, I mean, it's going to be, you're going to get some questions, I think, if you wear this shirt in the future. Maybe maybe if you wear the green one, the the green kit, because it yeah. looks badass. The green kit looks badass, but I, that's my favorite kit from this season far and away. But yeah, I, I don't, I think I'm going to either burner <laughs> or stick in the back of my closet the the two other kits that I have the pink and then the the stripe one that you know people complained about in the beginning of the season for having that white patch on the on the upper part of the chest which just doesn't look good no um hopefully they we, we at the very least going down to the championship maybe we'll get a better shirt next year yes that's the only thing we have to look forward to at this moment yeah we'll, we'll see what happens though well, I, I can't I, wait. I can't wait till we have that pod where we discuss the kits for what we think the colors are going to be next year. Well, we know what the colors are going to be. Maybe on, on the away kit. The yes, the away kit be. and the third kit. If we get a third kit. Well, I, I could see them very easily just slapping a different sponsor on that green third kit because it's kind of mint. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, it would make sense. I'd just wear a different, I'd wear, I'd buy, I'd buy another one of those just with a different sponsor on it. But then you're going to have the people out, the outliers say, oh, all they did was take last year's kit and put a different sponsor on it and put the championship patches on it. It doesn't look good. I want something brand new. I want something from scratch brought up from the genius minds at Adidas to bring us a great kit every year because Adidas only cares about Sheffield United, and we can't be using the same stuff we had last year. Well, Give we're not going to even have uh, Adidas as our as our as the company that produces our kits next year. Oh, we're dropping Adidas. Yeah, we're doing a self. It's like a yeah. It's the it's the same company that also produces the 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 beer shot kits as well. That's going to be making our kits next season. So wow. I, I think that's what we have to look forward to. It's not going to be Adidas, and or at least that's the rumor. Who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong, and and it will be uh, Adidas who makes our kit uh, next year. But I I don't I have no clue who the sponsor is going to be because the the current sponsor is no longer a company. They folded I think in the middle of the 2019 2020 season. So yeah. we're going to have a new sponsor on our kit next year as well. I'll tell you, I, I didn't expect us to be talking about kits here, Chad. No, nope, uh, we just got <laughs> off on a tangent there. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, getting back into the game in the eighth minute, 
Stuart Dallas had a shot from just outside the box that Ramsdale was equal to. And again, for the umpteenth game in a row, Ramsdale looking a fine goalkeeper and well worth the 18 million that we spent on him with the one exception. I mean, he didn't make a mistake really. No, he didn't. I mean, both goals were down to piss poor defending. Yep, exactly. That's, I mean, we, and we can put so much of that on, on the defense this year. Ramsdale hasn't looked bad at all this year, aside from the shaky start he had at the beginning. But once he got rolling, it was good. It just it just came down to how bad the defending was around him. Yep. Yep. One hundred percent. So if we like and like like we've said, if we get two out of three of our starting back line from game one of this season back, I think we're in a much better position that we think on like defensively, because look, Bash will be there and then if O'Connell or Egan go, one of them I think is going to go. But if we can keep the other and then plug, if we are going to be playing a 3-5-2 next year, I don't even know if we're going to be playing a 3-5-2. We could be playing four at the back because I think we need to have more creativity in the middle, which is something we've been so poorly missing. I feel like a broken record saying this, but the fact that we have not been able to get the ball to the midfield, who in turn can get it to the strikers, has been our biggest downfall this season. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, agreed. Yeah, agreed. 100 yeah. percent. So Leeds United's first goal came in the 12th minute. Rafina got down low, almost parallel with the goal line, and he fed it back for an easy, easy, easy tap in for Harrison. And uh, they go up one nil. It was a total defensive breakdown from the midfield back. I mean, they just bossed the ball and. It, it fell to Rafina, who, I mean, it was such an easy assist for him and an easier goal for Harrison to tap in. So go down one yeah. nil there. Yeah. It was just, it's probably the easiest goal we're going to see scored against us all, all season. I mean, that was awful. Everybody was caught out. There, there was nobody knew what to do back there. In, in a question I, that, that comes to mind too. Why was there no Ampadu in the starting lineup? If we were going to play Stevens and in, in, in Baldock in the back, why not sub instead of putting Jags back there? Why not put Amps? And we brought, of course, we brought him into the game because we need this defensive stability. But it's just like, why are we ha- leaving him on the bench? He yeah, he's got what eight games left to play. Just put him out there. Just run him yeah. out there. I'm. Yeah. I'm much rather have him playing in the center than Jag Yelka. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking there. Yeah. I, I have, I have no clue either, but half of what we do now these days doesn't really make any sense to me with Wilder gone. So, you know, chalk it up to Tyndall pulling the strings, uh, you know, on the touchline. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't know how they picked the lineup too. Like, who picked the lineup? Did Heckingbottom pick it? Did Tyndall do it? Because, like, I've told you many a times, it looks like Tyndall's pulling the strings constantly from the touchline, but also if he was the one that decided to put Jags in there, like, come on, man, you got to know. We got Ampadu sitting right there. I understand Egan's not – you're not going to throw him in for the full 90, but, okay, he played for Wales. Maybe Chelsea didn't want him playing because he played all those games for Wales. But it was just – I was just frustrated when I saw that. Yeah, I don't think Chelsea get to call the shots that, you know, that intricately 
on the lo- on a lone player. Yeah, true. And you think you think that I mean, look, the Welsh they rate him, you know, on in that international side. So mm-hmm. considering that they rated him in when when they had their run of games during the break, I mean, I I don't know. I again, like I said, I nothing that happens surprises me in a way, but it's also you kind of question the logic. Yep, for sure. Well, there was a long run of play, about 20 minutes, where basically nothing happened after the goal. I mean, we didn't have a sniff. They didn't have a sniff, just kind of passing it back and forth, basically. But at the 31st minute, yet another giveaway to Leeds, and they quickly go the other way. Super daft challenge by Balduck, and Harrison got in, and Ramsdale made a beautiful save. When Balduck goes in for that challenge, do you think that's an automatic red card? Like see, it, that's what it looked like, like a red to me. Yeah, it, to me, it looked like it was a red too. And then I was like, uh, well, based on our luck this year, it's probably gonna be a red. So I don't know. I've I've seen less given as a straight red, and I've also seen more. But I don't know. That was I, I'm, I'm lucky we got away with that one. Yeah, he didn't even get a yellow for it. I mean, the it, the challenge ended up being 50-50, but live it just looked really awful because I don't remember who it was, just did a flip. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, they oh yeah, they clashed. Oh, it, it kind of reminded like we were in the in the championship. And like, you know, next year those not necessarily will those tackles be yellow cards or red cards. It'll be like, okay, play on. So I was like, okay, maybe they're getting us ready for going back into the championship, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, again, a long stretch of play where nothing really happened. Our first chance and, uh, like, and only chance of this game really came in stoppage time at the death of the first half. Fleck got it to McGoldrick. McGoldrick got it to McBurney. Inside the box, McBurney took a shot. It's saved. It goes off. It pinballs around a little bit. It falls to Osborne, who just knocks it in. And it, it, you know, live, of course, it looked like it was initially saved off the line, but then Hawkeye rang in the, in, on the ref's watch and it was in and we scored a goal. When, when I saw the reverse angle or when I saw it live, I was like, oh my God, there's no way they saved it off the line. That was a rocket shot from Benno. When I saw when I saw the goal go in from the side, I was like, if this goal gets called out and it deflects, it, he's standing in the goal when the when the ball hits him in the stomach and the ball's clearly over the line. I was like, surely it's the Sheffield United way that this goal is going to be Hawkeye's not going to ring or VAR is going to say, well, the ball was over the line, but the guy was in the net. And he was kicking it out, so therefore it's not a goal. Some phantom bullshit. But when they when they called it a goal, I screamed like a, a child. And I haven't done that in a really long time when a United goal has gone in. Well, it counts. And, hey, we went into the half drawn, right? But come out the other side of the half and immediately, as we mentioned, uh, 49th minute, Harrison puts in a cross. Jagielka taps it in for yet another own goal. I mean... And as we mentioned, it seems like we've had countless at this point this season. Yep. Honestly, I mean, shambolic is the only word for it, right? 
Yeah, and it, it's one of those things where you come out of half and, okay, we just got an equalizer going into half. Let's see what we can do first 10 minutes of half, and we don't even make it to the 50th minute, and it's 2-1. And it's like, okay, we fought back and had one shot, and now the game's over. Because another thing, too, is it feels like these teams know that we don't score goals, so they only have to go to about second gear. And most teams don't even get out of second gear. They just troll through second gear for the entire game, knowing that, hey, if we score one, surely two, the game's over. I mean, these teams have got to have it so easy right now. Yep. Yep. And we've got another tough game at the weekend against Arsenal. We'll, we'll preview that in a moment here. But I think it's important to note that on that own goal, Ramsdale still got a fucking touch to the ball. He did. I mean, he was on his toes. You got to give him credit for that. Yeah. So I think that, like I said, that further exemplifies what a class goalkeeper he's turning out to be. And if he can take that confidence as we go down, I, I don't know about our ability to score goals in the championship, but he's going to bail us out of a lot of games, I think, next he season. Will. If he can keep the yeah. form going. Yeah, because it, especially if we don't have a back line that, that is good together, you know, because they're going to have defensive mistakes, so he's going to be able to bail us out. That's what that's what's going to be good about him. Yep. And in the 50th minute, Dallas had an eye for goal, 20 yards out. He touches it, and it just goes off the crossbar and out. I mean, that was a seeing eye shot right there, and we we're very lucky that it, it didn't dip further because it definitely had eyes for net. And then in the 59th minute, Ailing teased the ball in for Bamford, who gets on the end of it. And a lesser goalkeeper, I will tell you, does not make that the save that Ramsdale made. Another amazing, amazing save from Ramsdale. I mean, he had to have, what, like five or six saves in this game, I think? Yeah, I, I lost count with how many. I mean, how many shots did Leeds have in the entire match? They had 23 total shots, and they had, they had eight were on target. Probably six of those, like you said, were were tough saves he had to make. I really wish we would have gotten something out of this game. Even a draw would have been so nice because it was just classic shithousing football from us. Yeah, yeah. Like, no chances whatsoever except for the one that we scored on, really. And, I mean, we were defending the whole game pretty much. And they, mm -hmm. the, the other thing that, like, we did time and time again in that second half, it's like every time... We got it in their end. One of our players would go down. We get a free kick. We take the free kick. And of course, we would we would hit the first man and they'd go the other way and they'd have a breakaway. Yep. Like every like it, three times, three or four times we did that in this game. Yeah. It it was it was just one of those deals where we're like, man, do we practice this on the training ground? Do we just like, okay, we're gonna hit the first thing, first man every single time, and then we're gonna have a counter. And it's just like – and it was almost like Leeds would do that. It's like they knew. They're like, okay, we're going to go down. We're going to follow them, and then we're going to let them take the free kick, and they're going to give it right back to us, and we're going to have a counterattack. It was, it, it was like every single time they do that. They were smart. They knew the game plan, man. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We're so predictable. We're so predictable right now. Yep. Yep. So – Ampadu came on, and then he had a, a good bit of play. Uh, he had a marauding run in the 64th minute. He got it to Fleck, 
who got it to Bogle in the box, who made the turn and shot it, but it went right off the foot of Ailing and out for a corner kick. That was a good chance were it, it not for the toe of Ailing. I mean, it would have been a shot on target. Is it bad that we're just we're hoping for shots on target at this point? <laughs> I mean, it is it's that bad to where we are saying it was close to being a shot on target. Yeah. I know that's that's where our analysis stands at this point. Well, we almost had a shot on target. Yeah, I mean, that's all it is right now. Bully for us. Yeah. 87th minute, last chance of the game for either side. Burke had a good run to the right-hand side of the box uh, and took a shot on the ground from about 22 yards out. But it goes out. It, it, it's wide, and uh, that's pretty much the end of the game right there. We did nothing with the stoppage time. We were gifted five minutes of stoppage time, but of course did nothing with it. And another loss. I mean, this one hurts a lot more than a lot of the other losses just because it was a Derby. But I mean, really, I don't think I expected anything less. I mean, I think you had predicted us to lose two nil when we did our preview, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. I thought I thought we would maybe be up for this one and 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 nick a draw. I think I said two two draw. But yeah, eight more games to go, and then we can just finally put this season, bury it far away <laughs> into our subconscious and uh, not ever talk about it again, preferably. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. At this point, we can see the finish line, and we know we only have a few more stumbling blocks until this hell of a season is over. And it's like, come on, finish now. Just, I'm. I bet if you take a poll of United supporters right now, I'd say probably about 75% of them would want the season to end right now. The other 25% would want all what, seven games to finish. And then that last game where fans are allowed back in Bramall Lane, they want to see that one. And then that's it. I mean, cause that's all we're looking forward to. That is the only game I care about on the schedule is the very last game of the season now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is the good news. It was announced recently here in California that on June 15th, things will potentially be fully open. No restrictions. I mean, other than masks, I think masks are going to just be our life probably for the next year and a half or so, but in California, I mean, they're open up, opening up the baseball stadiums. I took in a baseball game this week, which I hadn't done for almost two years, which was awesome. Great to see live sporting events. This weekend, I'm going to watch a football match in, in uh, Tucson, Arizona. The Los Angeles Galaxy have a preseason game, and I'm a season ticket holder. So, you know, I'm going out there for that. And, I mean, sports are coming back in, here in the United States. So, We've definitely got that to look forward to. And rest assured, I have a sneaking suspicion that come next season, first game of the year, we will have fans back at the lane. I don't think that's being too optimistic. Yes, I cannot wait. It will be a sight to see. Just just the normalcy of, you know, fans and voices yelling. I mean, that's singing the songs in the cop. Yeah, that's that's what you look forward to. Someone taking the piss out of one of the players. I mean, I mean, come on. Hey, although I, half of our songs are now defunct with Wilder no longer being yeah, our, exactly. our manager, but <laughs> we'll come up with new ones. I'm sure we'll come up with some new ones. I've got some in the back of my mind. 
I don't know if anybody wants to hear them, but uh, <laughs> I've definitely got some some songs in the back of my head come next season. And we'll be there. At, at next year, Chad and I will be taking a trip and hopefully sitting in the cop. That mm. would be really great. That would be For really sure. great. Chad, did you have a man of the match in the game? Of course, I think I know who you're going to say. because For like, been... the, for like the 17th week in a row, Mr. Aaron Ramsdale, come on and grab your award. You are my man of the match. On on his second half of the season performances alone, he's our, our best player. I mean, yep. I mean, it's it's at this point, it's a two horse race between him and McGoldrick. If McGoldrick had 13 or 14 goals, maybe, but McGoldrick's been stuck on seven or six yeah, for a while. And, and he's so. the only one that <laughs> seems to want to take a shot when he's on the on the pitch anyway. So it's it, yeah, player of the year is going to be Ramsdale, hands down. Yep. Yep. I obviously had Ramsdale as well. So we move on. Well, Chad, there is some news that we're getting, and probably most of you have heard this as well, but it is looking like one Alexander Blesson is going to be leaving his club, which is KV Ostende, um, and is reportedly being sought by the Blades to coach next season. I mean, what are you, what's your initial take on this guy? Have you done any research into him? I have not done one lick of research, and maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Obviously, <laughs> that pun's been used. Yes, but uh, I mean, I don't. To be honest with you, I have not done any research. I believe I asked you before we started this podcast. I didn't even know what his first name was. So I mean, the rumor mill is going. I mean, it's going to go and go and go. I, I, the more I, I believe, I don't think we're going to hire anybody until the season's over. Yeah. And then we'll announce him or whoever it's going to be. There's something t- that tells me just to hire Tyndall or, I mean, a name that just popped up, I think as recently as today or yesterday is John Terry. I know the fans don't like him because he's he has to do with Aston Villa and all that stuff. But out of all these big name players that are becoming managers i think there's something that dean smith at villa has taught john terry and it's very evident because he's so defensively minded coach that has kind of rubbed off on him and would make a good a good manager with with players that don't necessarily get the headlines you know yeah kind of players like we have here at United, especially going down next year, we're not going to have the the who's who of the league. So I would feel that he would be able to manage a better set of players with not as many egos and superstars. So, I mean, it's just one more name to throw in the fold. Who knows what's going to happen, but I don't know. Well, as far as John Terry is concerned, I obviously don't have that kind of hate for him. I mean, his reputation speaks for itself. I think he won 10 trophies over his tenure with Chelsea, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you know, that, that you bring that kind of experience to the table. And I, I don't know. I mean, has remind me, has he had a, a, a managing job yet? Or no, he's, he's never had a managerial job. He just, when he left Chelsea, then he went down to Villa, and he's been their assistant coach. He's been Dean Smith's right-hand man. I mean, you can, you can see when you watch the Villa games, 
Dean Smith goes to John Terry more than anybody, anyone on his coaching staff. And John Terry's usually shouting from the touchline to tell the back line to align, whether it's on set pieces or free kicks or whatnot. So a, a coach that's almost like that hands-on is something that I think we need. It's almost like a Weiler wasn't hands-on, but or as hands-on as I would per se like to be, but you know, he knew how to call the shots type deal. And I feel John Terry is the same way. He he almost envelops that that Chris Wilder model model. And I don't know if that's something that we're trying to keep going or do we want to go in a different direction? We'll see what what'll happen. I wouldn't hate it personally as a move. I mean, yeah, yeah he's the name. I mean, people know the name. I mean, mm-hmm. his reputation speaks for itself. So I wouldn't hate him. I'd, I'd actually prefer him over a virtual unknown in Alexander Blesson personally. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's to, to be honest with you, that, that's what we're comparing right now. We're comparing John Terry to a guy that has never been heard of, has not really done anything in his managerial career. I mean, in John Terry, may be able to lure names away into this club like hey let's go to let's go to Sheffield United you know John Terry's the manager he he seems to have a good like setup in mind and he's he's pretty smart so let's go see what he's got going there we might be and, able to lure some bigger names away right and maybe we might be able to get Ampadu for another year obviously there's the Chelsea connection there and then mm-hmm. i mean who knows maybe we can take a couple of loan players from Aston Villa because there's yeah. a connection there as well and exactly. i mean look that's part of what this business is the business of football is mm-hmm. really the connections that that you make especially when it concerns transfers and loans and next year i you have to think that we're going to try to target a couple of loan players mm mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, the, our loan players have always spurned us to, to success, it seems, when we've been in the championship and had success in the championship. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. I, at this point, if they hire John Terry, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate the decision. Yeah. But before that comes another big game at the weekend. Well, I don't know about big. They're all big was, games, but, you know, I mean... Well, I don't know. Actually, I don't, as far as big games are concerned, I don't know how important this is, but we are playing a traditional top six side in Arsenal. And this game is going to be at the lane. It's a Sunday. It's a three o'clock or it's an eight o'clock start. Yes. Two o'clock Eastern time. So it would be seven o'clock start. Seven, a seven o'clock GMT start. And Arsenal have been on an interesting set of form recently. They... They lost to Liverpool 3-0 at the weekend. I mean, that's not really a surprise. They drew West Ham before that. They were in the they lost in the Europa League, but they had already pretty much won on aggregate at that point. And they beat Tottenham, who were down to 10 men at that in that game, and drew Burnley. And they've got a game tomorrow against Praha in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. So we'll see how tired they are from that. I mean, obviously that's gonna be the crux of their focus because you know they've got a home and away uh tomorrow and they've then they've got us on sunday and then they've got leg two of that that uh quarterfinal and that's in Prague. so yeah i mean i don't know if their minds are going to be focused on this game or not 
But based on their last game against Liverpool, I mean, you know, we know we know their players. I mean, Lacazette, Obama Yang, Odegaard, Pepe, Thomas, Sabalos, Tierney, Gabriel, Holding, Chambers, and then Leno and Nett. They've played pretty much the same, you know, they've they've played a lot of those players throughout the season. And I mean, what more is there to say, Chad? It's just I think I think this the side we we see against Arsenal is gonna be a very much changed side because I don't think although they are flirting around with like eighth, ninth in the league. I think it's just going to be a much heavy change side because Arsenal want to go and win this Europa League. That way they can – that's their only avenue of qualifying for next year's Champions League because they're clearly not going to qualify for Champions League this year. Right. So I, I think it's a much – a change side because they're going to go for it tomorrow against Slavia Prague. And so – I'm not saying there's a chance, but I don't think we're going to see a super strong lineup. You know, they're still going to dominate possession. Lacazette or Aubameyang will probably one of those two will start. I don't think we'll see both of them featured. They lost Tierney to injury. They might run out Pepe. It, it just depends on the lineup they put out for the, tomorrow. Who, who's going to who? I think Arsenal is going to look at this as like almost a. Early round FA Cup, yeah, early round FA Cup fixture to where they rotate heavily compared to if this this game actually meant something. Like if they were playing, obviously they played Liverpool last week. If they played Chelsea this week, I think they would put out a strong side. But this one, I think they're just going to be okay. It's Sheffield United. We should be able to roll them over and let's move on. Who do you think is going to start for Sheffield United? I mean, not like we have much of a choice, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't see much changing. Okay, are we going to give Egan a start in, in back? Obviously, That's Jags is going to come out. Is Egan going to be healthy? Is Basham going to be possibly healthy? Yeah. There's there's really no telling who – in that case, uh, I'll go with the Egan Basham in the back. Egan – Basham Ampadu across the back, move That's Stevens optimistic. and Ball, move Stevens in in Balduck up to their normal positions, and the striker pairing Brewster and Burke. I'm I would roll with those two the rest of the year, I, every single game. Yeah, I mean we thought that was going to be the case against Leeds, and then who do we see on the on the first team sheet now before the game is McBurney and McGoldrick. So yeah, I mean for my money. I, I'd really like to see that that back line that you that you laid out there. Amps, Egan, and Bash. I want to see Bogle on the wing. Or if Balduck is on the wing, then slotting Bogle into Lundstrom's position. I'd like to see McGoldrick play instead of Norwood, Fleck, and Osborne on the on the left wing. And then yeah, up top, Brewster and Burke. That's who yeah, I want to I see mean, up top. How many games have we been calling for lunch not to start? I mean, the dude's name's probably the first one on the team sheet every single week, and he could give two shits to be at this club right now. That's yep. unbelievable. I mean, they you would have figured that whoever's pulling the strings would be like, all right, Lundstrom, you don't want to be here. We're just going to bench your ass for the rest of the year, and if anybody gets hurt, then you can come in. 
Well, all's going to be revealed at the weekend. Chad, what's your score prediction for this one? I'm going to go 2-0 again. Or 3-0. Ah, 2-0. I'll go with a 2-0 loss. I think we'll get a goal. I think it'll be 2-1. 2-1 Arsenal. We have played Arsenal close. Yeah. So, I mean, we could have very well beaten them earlier in the year. So, I mean, there's a chance. I don't know how much fight there's left in this dog, but there is a chance. Well, we'll see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's all the time that we have this week for the red half of Sheffield. Chad, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me at Blades in the USA on Twitter and Facebook and on Instagram at Jarvis underscore 13. And you can find me, Noah Snyder, at SunPuck on Instagram and at Nestman930 on Twitter. And if you haven't done so already, please go ahead and give our podcast a follow on social media. On Twitter, you can find us at Red Sheffield. And you can find us at the Red Half of Sheffield on Facebook. So until the weekend, when we play Arsenal at the lane, up the blades, Chad. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards. Thank you.